That's my wife. She doesn't usually get to, she doesn't get to roll with me very often because uh, we've had eight kids and, and we, it's just been a great journey for us. And now we have the privilege of caring for her dad, who's 95. He lives with us. And what a, it's a privilege. It's, you know, and I'm learning something about honor. You know, I'm, I'm one of those thick-headed son-in-laws, you know, that, you know, and we work on projects. We get in an argument. I was telling them I know how to do it best. I want young men to listen to me right now. And I think God showed me something. He said, there's, if, if you're working with your father-in-law, or an older man, and there's a couple ways of doing something, and you think you got the right way, the right way is his way. Did you hear what I said? And that'll, that'll put the cross in you. You know, that'll humble you. And if you do that, you know, after a while, he might say, you know, how do you think we could do this better? He starts asking you how to do it better. And then you get to share, see? So... That's exciting. So we, that's for free. So you want to show you some pictures of my fam here. Let's, let's start with me back in the dark. Well, let me just mention the book real quick. We got the book. This is a life message. There's more to it. It's coming, there's more coming out. But uh, this is the one the Lord put together for us. And that you saw the image, uh, the prophetic image, really a prophetic image the Lord gave us about a generation. You can put that back up maybe. Um. And we're excited. You know, the Lord is stirring leaders around the world, you know, not because we're cool or anything. I mean, God's word is God's word. If you just have the guts enough to just talk about the stuff that you need to talk about, the Lord's favor seems to come on you. He like God. God aligns himself with truth. And so you start talking about stuff, and the Lord's favor comes. And so it's so exciting. We've got this in Russian. We've got it in Spanish. We've got a, it's, it's being translated into Portuguese for Brazil. Uh, it's, what else we got it going in? We got it, uh, it's going to be done in Mandarin for China. We had it done in, the, a part of it done in the Thai language, and we're going to have more of it in Thailand. We're going to get the whole book done in Thailand, Thai. And then uh, we just got a call from Slovakia the other day, and they want to do it in, in the, I don't know what language, I don't know if it's Czech or Slovakian. I'm, forgive me if you're from Slovakia. I just insulted you, but we're going to see it done in Slovakian. And it isn't about, wow, isn't this cool? We've got books and we're, you know, it's about every place, every place, every person in every place is important to God. Every daughter, every son, every church, every town is important to God. It isn't the biggest or the smallest. It's about one person. It's about a marriage. It's about a mom, a dad, and a daughter. It's about a son and a dad. It's about a young man that wants to be a husband someday. It's about a daughter who's had her dreams stolen away by darkness and is sitting in, in the valley of the shadow of death. And my word says, the Lord, the Lord not my word, but the, the word I read, which is God's word, says that those that sit in the valley of the shadow of death are going to get visited by somebody. And their hopes are going to get restored. And I've, I've had the privilege. I've, you know, I, my, my, what we get to do is we, we probably have one of the most greatest privileges on the earth is to hold the broken heart of a daughter in our hands the most precious thing on the face of the earth, get to hold the precious heart and, and destiny of a young man in our hands. And, man, that's, there isn't anything. You think gold isn't precious or something else. But when you have the, the heart of a person, it's amazing. So uh, 
the book is written, it's revelation. And if, you, if God touches your heart, stirs your heart, you know, sometimes God brings a new word to you, and there's an area in your life that's been a struggle. And you hear a word, and it gives you a sense of hope, kind of like, wait a minute, I'm not crazy. You know, I'm not the only one that's dealing with this. I'm, I'm, it's like something happens, but then I think God then gives us a little responsibility to run into that revelation. We need to run into it. We just need to say, I need to run into this. We had a gal I was working with named Candace, and, I mean, she was doing crazy things, you know, when she was in high school. She was, she was passed around on the boys' baseball team from guy to guy, you know, 13 years old, having sex with them. And then she didn't like that and got hurt so bad, then she started hanging out with a girl and having, kind of doing the same sex thing and, and then smoking pot all the time because she had so much guilty conscience. You're just kind of going, ah. Then the Lord invaded her life. <laughs> the Lord invaded her life and started breaking the strongholds. It was like, whoa. I mean, Candace got, like, made new. Curly-haired Candace. And, man, she had a preaching spirit in her. Man, it was like, I can say, Candace, there's some pastors here. Get up and tell them how much this message you, that your generation needs to hear from them. She just goes, Kow. I go, Candace, you're, sitting, you're, you're going to stand in front of your peers she just goes, you know, Candace, this is a men's meeting. I bring, her, I bring Candace to the men's meetings. Tell the dads what it means, dad, daughter. Tell them. And it was so exciting to see Candace do that. And, but during that process of her healing, I gave her a couple. talking about Revelation, talking about books and stuff, talking about CDs. I gave her a couple of CDs, and I said, Candace, I want you to listen to these 20 times in a row until you know exactly what I'm going to say next. I want it to go into your spirit so deep. And she did. She just would play it in her car all the time. She goes, Jim, I just played it in your car, my car all the time, everywhere I went, you know. And, but it, it, it transforms her. We, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. One, one, the Phillips version says, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. How's that for us, Sting? Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's what Revelation, visit the table. And if, the other thing I want to mention, we've got a sign-up sheet there. You know, people want you to sign up, sign up on email. You get junk email, and you get email you signed up for. You don't even want anymore. It's kind of like, I don't want any more email. But let me just, can I say one thing? If God speaks to you and God stirs your heart and there's some healing spirit that begins to move in your life, please connect with us so we can stay in touch with you. We, we want it, we, we're building a team for the nations, and we just want to be in connection. We want to be able to send testimonies and revelation and let you know when there's some new materials coming out and just whatever we're doing. We, we need you, and we want to walk with you in that. Now, for the really good part, uh, picture of me when I was young. Now, this is, this is a, I was, the Lord was speaking to me this morning, and that's me right there. That's me when I was really cool. How many young people we got here? How many, how many are uh, 30? I'm going to say 30 and under. You want to quick stand up? You mind, you mind if I make you stand up, embarrass you, you know? Look at the 30 and under. Now, look at me. Look at the, man, this is, I'm getting excited now. Can you guys mind standing just for a minute? Can you guys, can you stay up just for, I'm not going to make you get up and sing a song or anything or preach a message, but I, I have something for you in the Lord, and uh, this is where I was. Can we get a, how about the red pictures of the truck? I, I got to really get the color of the truck, you know, because the truck is really, uh, but I drove that truck in public, and after God broke the chameleon, God broke a chameleon spirit in me. When I was in high school, I'd smoke pot on, when, when did I smoke? I smoked pot on Thursday night, and I'd get drunk on Friday night. 
We're getting the whole whole show, aren't we, on that? Look out. That's kind of, that's, got drunk on Thursday night. No, got got smoked pot on Thursday night. Get drunk on Friday night, and then I go to the Bible study on Monday night. Come on, isn't that cool? I mean, that's what young people do. Because young people are trying to find something. Young people are being attacked by darkness. You're part of a generation. That's me. I mean, you got all the stuff there. You're part of a generation. Listen to me. You're part of a generation that's under attack by darkness. And you may think, oh, I'm the only one that's dealing with pornography. I'm the only one dealing with this sexual stuff. I'm, only dealing, I'm the only one dealing with shame from the stupid things I've done. Listen, you're not the only one. You're part of a generation that has been, been targeted by darkness for destruction, and the devil fears what's in you. Listen to me. He fears what's in you because you have been, there's been treasure put in you. There's something in you to build the kingdom of God. I was 19 when I got saved. Look at me. Here I am, 21 years old with my truck, you know, being cool. But you know what? I was 21. Here I am, 21, being cool. The the word of the Lord came over me when I was 19, 20 years old, saying I'd be a prophet to the nations. Crazy. I didn't even know what a prophet was. I mean, it was like a prophet to the nations. I thought it means something cool, I think. But here I'm living it now. Years later, there's a dream. God has a dream for you. And when you connect to that, listen to me, when you connect to that dream, you find out why you were made. And, you know, there's, sometimes there's confusion because you haven't connected to the dream yet. And there's such a war against the, the enemy wants to put guilt and shame in you to separate you from your heavenly father that wants to remind you of your destiny. If you feel like God hates you, listen to me, that's the voice of darkness saying to you God hates you. It's not God saying he hates you. It's the voice of darkness because we get stuff we do. We get shame or stuff has been done to us that we never wanted to have happen. And we think it was our fault. That's what's happening in the sexual world we're living in right now. There's stuff happening to young people all the time. And they leave the, that event thinking it was my fault and, 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 I, and I wanted it to happen. You know what? That's a lie from darkness to twist and pervert that. And I got news. This is the best news you could get. You didn't want that to happen and, you, and it wasn't your fault and you're not dirty and you're not... There's nothing wrong with you. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Now, here's what the Lord said to me. And you, just, just stay with me. I said, okay, you guys okay standing up? You guys, you guys are, you guys are you're, you're okay now. Are you still making it? Okay, I just don't want anybody getting feeling bad. I'm not going to make you come up and sing or nothing. Well, may, maybe you. I mean, you might want to come up and sing. I don't know. No. I'm just kidding. So where's David? And you're, what's your name again, honey? Megan. David and Megan. Come on, stand here. Here's what the Lord said. This is something, this isn't new. He reminded me of this. This is new for you, the fireplace, the new thing that's coming. Here's what I believe God said to me. Now, I want you to understand this. If you're a gray head like me, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to slam you. But what God is saying is, is just because I can come and stand up here with blue jeans on Sunday morning, you got your blue jeans on, bro. Just because I can wear blue jeans on Sunday morning doesn't mean I know what the next wineskin of the church is going to look like. Now, just, just listen to me. Because God is shifting responsibility in the church, and he's, he's wanting to give a new blueprint and a new vision and a new wineskin from heaven into the lives of the next generation. And they're going to burst something for the church that we couldn't dream of. It, it, we, we won't be able, we can't imagine it. Just listen to me. You're, you're supposed to help do this. God's going to put something in you so you can reach your friends and, and create a wineskin for the church so, so you can connect to your friends and, and the harvest begins to come in. It'll be stuff that we can't even think of. I think, well, I'm cool. I know everything. I'm hip because I got blue jeans on Sunday morning. No way. 
No way. And, and, and God's speaking to our generation saying, listen, it's time for you to release the stewardship of structure and methodology, and you're supposed to steward wisdom that goes into any wineskin. It will go into any wineskin. And you, this generation, is going to get blueprints from heaven about what the next picture of the church, what's the next wineskin of the church is going to look like. So, we, so you can just, well, you know, we just had coffee houses back then, and thousands of young people would come to the church. And we just knew intuitively how to reach our peers. We knew, how to, we knew how to get them. We didn't even have to think. We just, God talked to us and we did it. And they came in. They flooded into the church. How many long-haired hippies are here right now? Wave at me. Way back in the 70s. 70s. Where, 60s, 70s, 80s. Any, any people that got saved back then? You flooded into the church. Yeah, that's, that's the miracle. So God is saying to us, the, the gray head generation, listen. And, and, uh, and when God gives you the blueprint, when God gives your generation the blueprint, you're going to look over your shoulder and say, to my generation, will you help build this? And what we can't do is go, oh, yeah, we got all the methods. And No, what they're saying is we want wisdom to know how to have our marriages work. We want wisdom on how to raise our kids. We want wisdom on how to work with people. Sometimes they've got a few issues. But it's not, they're not asking us for the wineskin because God's putting the wineskin in them. And listen, grayheads, we are so important and so necessary in this process. When that transition starts to happen, there's going to be a need for moms and dads, hundreds of moms and dads. And, then, and young people are not going to come and say, did you live a perfect life? We get to speak to them out of our brokenness and out of our failure. And, and you know what? We get to warn them. We get to love them. So young people, will you... If you have a heart for God, how many have a, you just have a heart for God? It's okay. It's, you have a heart for God. Come on. You're here. You have a heart for God. I want you to start dreaming. Come on. I want you to start dreaming and saying, God, give me something to build your kingdom. And you know what? And if you've got a broken heart, then I want you to say, God, I want you to heal my broken heart because there's something for me in the kingdom of God. Can you say that? You have the courage to say, I got a broken heart. I got shame in my life. I'm going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about sex in your generation. Is that okay? Sunday morning? Sunday morning. Sex in your generation. That's what we're going to talk about right now. So let's pray for this generation, okay? Pray for this generation. Any gray heads feel any inspiration just to lay a hand or touch one of these beautiful young people? You can do that. Lord, thank you for this generation. Thank you, God, that you're going to speak to them. Thank you for the destinies. Thank you for the offices that are here. Thank you for the gifts that are here. Thank you for the shame that you're going to break off a generation for things that they have done and things that have been done to them. Lord, thank you that you are saying it's not your fault. I'm not blaming you. Thank you, Lord, that there's a place of repentance for young people to come to the cross and be cleansed. Thank you for that, Lord. And thank you for the new wineskin and the new picture and the new vision that you're going to speak to a generation. And thank you for the gray heads, the older generation, Lord. Thank you for them that are going to steward wisdom. And, Lord, we won't be able to build the new wineskin, but you've gifted us to recognize whether God's in it. And we're going to be jumping up and down saying, man, God is in that. You guys are making that. Wow, that's so cool. That's so awesome. Because we've been in the spirit. We recognize the spirit. We'll know it's the spirit. But we couldn't do it in a million years. You got to help. You got to help us. Amen? Amen. All right. So that was for free.
That was for free. I just took up about half my time for preaching. That's what I always do. It's my standard. Uh, I, got, see, I got my wife introduced, did the book table, told stories about my family. Did you see all my family pictures? Come on. Did, you, were you, did we get them? Did we get enough? We did. My wife. <laughs> you're kind of, you're, you're influencing Trisha too much, Lisa. <laughs> I can see it. She's, Trisha's going, yeah, you, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. Oh, okay, good, good. This is, the, this is the fam right here. This is what happens when you have eight kids, you know. This is like, it's like a nation. I got a friend I went to high school with. He says, he writes a Christmas card to us, says, the Anderson Nation. I go, yes! Amen, the Anderson Nation! I believe it. I believe it. Thank you, Lord. You know, Lord can change a heart and change a destiny in one moment. One moment. One moment where you feel that love of God when you felt nothing but like God hates me. One moment where God just reminds you you're his precious one. Like the prodigal son. Think about it. It says, when he came to his senses. When he came to his senses. I'm not talking about my family. I, I forgot to talk about my family. It's okay. How about the picture of the kids, just the eight kids? Then I'll, I'll leave my family behind after that. I mean, I'm like a dad. You know, I'm, they, they, I'm a prophet that preaches about sexuality with a DNA of a dad. I mean, that's like what I am. I can't, so you, I, I just want to spend all day talking about my kids. That, that would be the sermon, you know, the prophets, the minstrels, the, the fashion designers, the worshipers, the business people. The, I don't, are there any business people in there? Yeah. So they're all hungry for God. They're all arrows. As arrows are in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. They're sharp, and they're finding the target. And the scripture says, your arrow is in the heart of the king's enemy. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. And God wants to launch a generation into the very center of the enemies of the king of kings. And I believe one of the places he wants to send the arrows is in the middle of the sexual spirit that is destroying our nation. God is going to launch those pure-hearted, restored young ones into the very heart to, to slay the very enemy that was trying to slay them and destroy their destiny. And you get somebody like that that gets restored and gets rescued, I'm telling you they're dangerous, like Candace. Candace was so dangerous. Oh, she was so dangerous. So I want to talk about this scripture. We're going to review. I mean, some of you, it's okay if some of you were here this weekend, hear a few other, few scriptures again that you're second time, you know. Is that okay? I got permission to, to flow, you know. Thank you, Easter. I got my new sis right there. My new sis. You guys like Easter? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I mean, if anybody needs a little mama, little mothering, just kind of sneak up here, and Easter will just kind of just drip all over you, you know. She's, yeah. Isaiah 14, 12 talks about this, the spirit, Lucifer, 
the fallen, the worship leader in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Cast down from heaven, the worship leader. Here's the description of him. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You who have weakened the nations. That's the description. That's his, his agenda. And you think, well, how, does, how would somebody try to weaken the nations? You know, like wreck their economy, unplug the internet, unplug the cell phones, put more potholes in the road so people are cursing everywhere they drive. You know, what's, what's the perp? What's, what, how are we going to weaken the nations? And the way the nations are made weak is the enemy targets family. Targets marriage, targets identity, targets our sexuality, tar does whatever he can to mess with us so we don't have stability, so we don't have a foundation, so we don't, so we're rattled, we're shaken, we're, there's so much pain in our life we can hardly move. That's what, in our theology, here's our theology in the kingdom of God, that a nation is as great as the church in that nation. Got some, boom, boom. Is that going to go the whole time? Are we going to have this the whole sermon? Okay, I'm going to have to preach like this now. I think I can just ignore it. If you ignore it, I'll ignore it, okay? Am I doing it? I'm not doing it. Is there somebody upstairs? The kids are upstairs. We love kids. I got my kids. I love my kids. You love, you love my kids. You love your kids. Lord, we thank you for the kids upstairs, that they're in the house of God today. And if they're making a little bit of noise, they're going to be reminded of how important they are. And it's not about our little adult experience. It's about the whole family touching the heart of God. So bring the kids in. Make all the noise you want. Can you imagine the noise that used to be happening like with in the New Testament? They're probably just like unbelievable. No microphones, nothing. So we can do it. And little John John just found something new to play with. So <laughs> that's good. So the, the nation is as strong as the church in the nation. The church in the nation is as strong as the families in the church. The families in the church are as strong as the marriages in the church. The marriages are as strong as that young man and that young woman who God puts together to be a team for the kingdom of God. And part of our great responsibility as an older generation is to give the younger generation the now of God, to give them the treasure hunt, give them the mission trip, give them the prayer room, give them intercession, give them worship, 50 hours of worship straight. Wow, we did 50 hours of worship. We're going to give them all the now of God, but we're also going to give them the hope to have a marriage that lasts. And as we do that, we are, we are validating ourselves as mothers and fathers in the kingdom of God. That's, that's, that's the mark. And they have to have that. Let's look at Isaiah. We looked at this this weekend. Isaiah 61, I love it. It's such a powerful scripture. Such a, it's a scripture of restoration. It reminds me of that prodigal moment. You know, it's, it's that moment when he came to his senses, it says. I mean, that's like, because there was someone like Easter praying, praying her heart out for this person. 
I had a, I had a lady when I was 16. I was a misguided, orphan-spirited young son of an alcoholic mom and a dad who never said, I'm proud of you. That's my heritage. <laughs> and this, this Presbyterian Bible lady who got filled with the Holy Spirit in the late 60s, speaking about the Holy Spirit we were talking about this morning in the, in the prayer time, she got filled with, she gets filled with the Holy Spirit and she adopts me in the Spirit. She starts, she does a dual, it's like an, it's a impossible to resist uh, Holy Spirit uh, assault against darkness. Scripture quotes with a finger pointed at me and chocolate chip cookies. It's like the combination was irresistible. It took me down. It, 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 it captured me for God. And she prayed for me for 31 years of her life till, till she passed away. 30, 31, 33 years. From, yeah, 33 years. From, 2000, from 1968 to 2001, for 33 years, every time I saw her, she said, you're at the top of my list. Esther Sue. Esther Sue, a lady that understood that, that the beauty of her heart would deliver a nation from the decree of death. Not her outward beauty. That's not, that's not where she kept her beauty. That wasn't her beauty. Her beauty wasn't in that. Her beauty was her heart and her spirit to love a broken generation. Man, I wouldn't even be here without Esther Sue. And it put me on the pathway of this. I'm going to read this for you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Jesus started his ministry with us. This is such a significant scripture because it's a template for the church. It's a template for the process of grace in your life. It's a template for God to restore you. It's, it's a template of hope. It's a template of promise. It's God's template. He wants to burn this into our spirit. And you can find yourself anywhere along this continuum. Come on. You, it, this is for everyone in this room. You can find yourself on this continuum somewhere. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. You might be someone who's been raised up by God to speak. He's going to remind you who your audience is right here. But he's speaking to the afflicted, and you might be sitting here today, and you're afflicted. There's pain in your life. There's there is so much pain in your life, you just you can hardly talk about it. But you got here. And that declaration comes to you. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You're afflicted, and then there's the description. You're brokenhearted. It starts with pain. It starts with a broken heart. The Lord knows that. The Lord's, and it says he binds up the brokenhearted. He, to bind up the broken heart. If you got a broken heart, the Lord knows about it, and he's about trying to, he wants to bind it up. He wants to bind up the broken heart to proclaim liberty to the captives, people, or the devil has taken you captive from something that happened to you, something you never wanted to have happen to you. And then there's the prisoners, the freedom to prisoners. These are the ones that maybe are doing some time for what they did. They think, I'm, gonna, I'm in jail. I did some things that were stupid. Man, I'm never going to make up for it. No, he's going to set that prisoner free, too. He paid for that on the cross. So you got captives who have been taken captive by darkness. Then you got prisoners who are trying to pay time for what they've done. And the Lord says, I'm taking care of both of those. I'm going to take care of both of them. I'm taking care of both of them. 
to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's right now. The favorable year of the Lord is now. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of deliverance. You know, salvation is I was being saved, I am being saved, and I shall be saved, right? It isn't just one moment. It's the process of our life. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. The day of vengeance. And it's not vengeance against you. The devil takes that scripture and tries to pervert it and get people to think God's mad at you. God is hilariously in love with you. And the day of vengeance of our God is the day the vengeance of God goes against the enemies that have been trying to destroy your life. That's the vengeance of God. It's a love vengeance. It's the hound of heaven vengeance coming after the things trying to destroy your life and steal your dreams away. Come on. How many have got some dreams that the devil has been messing with? Some dreams that the devil has been messing with. Come on. It's a day of vengeance of our God. He's coming. He's coming. There's some beautiful princesses. I've spotted a few beautiful princesses in the audience of a whole variety of ages. I always tell young ladies I'm an expert on princesses because I got six daughters. So that, that gives me permission to be corny. Okay. Is that okay? Do you know that any king, any, any daughter, if, that Jesus is the king of kings, and they tell me that any daughter of a king is a princess. And the king has a special jealousy about anyone messing with his girls. You better not mess with my girls. And if you've never been protected in your life, dear daughter, there's a spirit of God and a word from God and an atmosphere of God that wants to pull you in so close and put a hedge of protection around you that you've never experienced in your life. There's protection, I'm telling you. The favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. Come on. Thank you, Lord. And then here's the sequence of restoration. To comfort all who mourn. To grant for those who mourn in Zion. Giving them garland instead of ashes or beauty for ashes. I grew up King James, Easter. You know, I grew up King James. So I, I can hardly read this part in, in this. It's beauty for ashes. Joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they will be called the oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. All those beautiful kids up there. We're doing this for them. We're here for them. The planting of the Lord that he may be, the oaks of righteousness. Revelation says the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. You guys have a heart for nations? You guys are, you better get your passports. How many people haven't gotten their passports yet? You need to get some passports. Anybody have a desire to go somewhere? There's, then get your passport and pray. Tell Peter and Pastor Peter and Trish, Trisha that you're ready to go. And just start going. And you can go there before you get there. You can be go there in prayer. You can start carrying a burden, and you can hear the news of that nation and think, I'm part of that. That's what he wants to do. The mantle. 
Listen, listen to the assignment now. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities and the desolation of many generations. I love that. It was talking about restoration. See, this is, let me, can I, that sounds kind of like lofty, like, oh, they'll repair the ruined cities and, and the desolations of generations. And it's about people. It's about a broken-hearted 13-year-old junior high girl. That's the restoration I'm after. You, you restore enough 13-year-old little girls, ill princess daughters, you restore enough of them and get some revelation into the heart of some young men so they want to do what's right instead of what's easy. And you're going to start feeling the, the restoration of the generations. You're going, to, it's going to start, you're going to see it in front of your eyes. I got a call from a mom. mom. She called me up and said, Pastor Jim, I found my daughter's journal, and it reads like pornography. Could you help us? I go, oh, yeah, I, anything I can do. And I met with her for a couple hours, and I just listened to her. You know how much healing there is in listening? God ordained that some of the way, a major part of the way we're healed is we sit down with someone that loves us, and we begin to talk about the things that no one knows about in our life. And it's an incredible process of healing. It's, a, it's called the pastoral spirit. God ordained it. It's, it's, it's set right in the church. The spirit of the counselor is, is very similar. Just to listen. This person loves me, and I'm free to share the most ugly and difficult things I, about, my, about who I am. Of bringing the darkness into the light, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome the light. <laughs> so I, I got with her. I listened to her, and but I, I kind of began to think about. This. I said, "Why would a girl write sexual stuff that she did with some guy in her journal? Like, what's going on?" And it's like, I felt like the Lord gave me understanding. It's like, it's like a confession. It's like there's poison in her. It's like something happened to her, and she's not designed to carry what's inside her. She, was not, she wasn't designed to encounter or experience that in 100 million years. Because God made a daughter for safety and security and permanence and commitment. God designed the heart of a daughter to be loved for who she is as a person and not what she can give some man sexually. This is the very core of who a daughter is. And there is not a daughter on the face of the earth that's designed to be involved sexually with a young man without covenantal commitment where she feels like this man has made a promise to her publicly forever and he would lay his life down for her. That's when she's free enough and safe enough to open that sacred, personal part of her life to him. God made that. God designed that. He, he thought that up. See, our message to young people, you know, is, is, has been pathetic. <laughs> Sex is bad. Sex before marriage is bad. Sex before marriage is bad. You, you got, I'm going to train you now for righteousness. Ready? Sex before marriage is bad. You're trained now. Wait, we don't, wait a minute. We need to train you faster. We, 
That takes too long, so we're just going to shorten it up now. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Did you get the message? Okay, good. You're trained now. I mean, this is what we've done. That's not the message. The message is God has created, God, God has put a beautiful boundary around his gift of sexuality because he knows us better than we know ourselves and he doesn't want us to be destroyed. He made the man, he made the woman, he made their emotions, he made their body parts, and he knows how it works best. And we can, we can align ourselves with his purposes and, and have the blessing of God. If you're a young man and you align yourself with the blessing of God, you will end up doing what's right instead of what's easy, especially in the area of sexuality. I say that, young men, because listen, you are a young man created in the image of God, and you are designed to do what's right instead of what's easy. There's something in you designed to be heroic, to suffer for what's right, to do what's right. You're designed to look in a mirror and see someone you respect. It's how God made you. And your fuel is honor. Your fuel is you will live by honor. There's a lot of men that can't look in a mirror and see them, see them they, they can't respect themselves. Because there's, there's something about a man that doesn't want to be a user. He doesn't want to be someone taking advantage of someone. He doesn't want to be someone operating in sexual selfishness. It, it really doesn't, he, he, but he, he may not be able to overcome it. That's why the Holy Spirit invites us into his presence. God never designed you, young man, to be bound to your lower nature. But God designed you. He, he, he is releasing grace to you so you can rule over your sexuality instead of your sexuality ruling over you. He's raising up men. He's raising up young men. We're going to talk about the key, the key to that in a, in a, in a couple minutes. Okay. So the little girl. Let's, okay. There's a lot of rabbit trails here, right? So the little girl, she's in my living room, and she, but I'm thinking, why would she write that? Because it's poison. She was never designed to experience that, and she needs to get the poison out of her. It's like it's driving her crazy. It's going to drive me. This is why gals cut and burn themselves. This is why gals get drugged themselves and drink themselves into a stupor before they go to parties, because they can't do the stuff they're going to do again without numbing themselves. Because they're not designed. It isn't about God hating them. It's about God creating them and them, and him, them going against the creation. This little girl wrote in her journal, it was a form of confession. She was getting the poison out. Man, I'm getting it out. But then the second thing is like, don't you think a girl could hide a book from her mom? If I gave you a million dollars, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Hide this book from your mom. Think it could happen? Come on. Any girls could hide a book from a mom? She leaves it on her bed. What was she saying? Help me. I don't know how I got here. I've done some stupid things. The devil said it would be beautiful and it was ugly. And now I don't know how to get out of this. And mom, I'm going to be really mad at you when you read this. What are you doing in my privacy? Please rescue me. Come on. That little girl got some freedom. She got healing. It's exciting. It's the desolation of generations being 
the ruined cities kind of were going after them. The city is full of people, right? Families. In, in families, there's young people in families. So we heal cities by healing young people. Be part of a healed family. That's how we got to think about it. We can dream about the cities, but it always gets down to a person. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're going to deal with the sexual spirit. Let me just tell you three ways we're going to deal with the sexual spirit in our culture. Can we do that just for a minute? The first is we just have to get, we have to get familiar with the sexual spirit. In other words, we have to understand what's happening. You know, there's something that happens with older people. It's kind of crazy, but they get what I call moral amnesia. They kind of look at their young people. And they see the beardless, little, rosy-cheeked, you know, 15-year-old. They go, they, they wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. They just, there's no way they'd be doing any kind of sexual stuff. I go, did you forget what you were thinking about when you were 15? What you were talking to your friends about in the locker room? What you did with this girlfriend and that girlfriend? I like, hello? You forgot that? Because that's where they are right now. Plus 40 years. <laughs> Things got a little intensified. So we need to heal our generation from moral amnesia, okay? And, the, and, the re, and, and what can qualify us for beginning to understand a generation, we've got to get healed from our own shame. We've got we to we we say, Lord, forgive me for trying to sanitize my testimony. I had an R17 X-rated life, but I really kind of got that into a G. I got my G Christian testimony. I go, you know what that does? That leaves a generation hopeless. You're an older woman, you're a mom, you know, you've got an X-rated testimony. There are daughters, waitresses, young moms at parks, teenage high school girls in youth groups waiting for someone to step on the edge of their generation and say, I know the way out of hell. Can I tell you about my life? And can I tell you about the God of restoration? That's going to change somebody's life. And we don't, I don't know what, it's, it's, it's a spirit of shame that wants us to change and sanitize our testimony. I'm not talking about flaunting sin. I'm talking about giving God the glory. He deserves glory from your life. And some of you have had things happen to you and things that you've done that you're not proud of. You know, I'm not talking about glory. I, I mentioned this weekend, I said, we got the gal that says, I'm an I'm a ex-pole dancer. I was a pole dancer, but now I'm an ex-pole dancer. Found the Lord. I go, honey, no. You were a pole dancer, and now you're a daughter of God, daughter of the Most High God, who used to do some of those things. That's how, that's how we're going to describe that way, we don't have a wilted flower section in the kingdom of God. We don't have a back row in the kingdom for all the girls who are those kind of girls. And if you don't think this is good theology, just take a look at who was the first person to say Jesus was raised from the dead. It was Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, the whore that had seven demons cast out of her life. And God said, I'm picking her to proclaim righteousness to the nations. I'm picking her to be the first one to run and say he's risen. 
Mary got to be part of the team. Mary didn't get to fly somewhere and start a new life. She was a prostitute and everyone knew about her. All the men knew about her. All the wives of the men knew about her. There was no chance for her to have any hope until Jesus came and said, I got a front row spot for you in the garden and there's no back row and there's no wilted flower section in the kingdom of God. And men, when we understand this, it changes our understanding of, a, of manhood because I want to present something to you. I believe with all my heart that we cannot be authentic men unless we get a revelation of a daughter's heart and a revelation of the war from hell against what's in a daughter's heart, that that sexual spirit's been loosed against the women in the nations of the earth to change them from who they are into some sexual object, to depersonalize them, to objectify them, to sexualize them. And when you put that pressure on a woman, she may operate that way, but I'm telling you, men, when we protect our daughters, not because they're incapable, but because of the peculiar vulnerability they have to that sexual spirit, it will make them more righteously sexual because there will be no performance sexuality of pressure. There'll be response sexuality. Whoa. You know why I know that? Because we love him because he first loved us. And he died for a girl called the church. And if we will love our women collectively and individually, they will be the most beautiful. They'll be the most pure. They'll be the most appropriately sexual in the context of covenant because there's no pressure, no demands, no performance. Response sexuality versus performance sexuality, good luck. <laughs> That's the torment some women live under. And God's breaking this. He's going to start breaking this. He's going to start changing our identities. He's going he's to bring revelation to, to us and heal us. And I love it. So we need to know the culture. I've, just, I've been instructing you on the culture. Just, we just need to begin. To, we, we're not going to get it by osmosis. We need to give ourselves. That's why we wrote the book, buy the book. Not for me. But run into the revelation. Run into the revelation. Second thing we need to do is to have a spirit, a non-suspicious spirit, a non-judgmental, non-suspicious spirit. Oh, there's the young people coming to church. They're holding hands. They're probably sleeping together. Yep, I bet you they are. They were, I watched them. They were holding hands coming right into the church. I know they're probably sleeping together. Well, you know what? They might be, but they came to church. And our job is to love people hilariously, but not love them across the pulpit. We need to love them in a different way across the pulpit. We need to love them, build bridges to their life, enter their world like Jesus did, but not apologize to them from the pulpit where they never hear the truth that can set them free. That's dangerous. You know, if you're prophetic people, this is a prophetic church, so we get, get a revelation on sexuality, we're going to get, it's going to be a real temptation to think, yeah, I've got the revelation, I can see those people, they're kind of, we've got to really cultivate a spirit of non-suspicion and acceptance and, 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 and hold, holding them. Last thing we do is preach messages based, preach messages assuming brokenness, shame, pain, and hiddenness, and negative sexual experiences. Again, not because of judgment, because based on the culture. This is where people live. 
We just preach messages on that. We preach those messages. We're going to see the beauty of the Lord come. We're going to see. So I'm really talking about protection. I mentioned this a minute ago. Did you hear me say it? Protection. The reason we need to protect our women is not because they're unwise, incapable, unintelligent, and ungifted. Okay, listen to me, please. And the Me Too movement has put a crack in the dogma of the sexual revolution. For, for, for ever since the 60s, the sexual revolution has said nobody gets hurt with sexuality. I mean, there's been no admission. This is the first time there's been a concession from the culture that women get hurt in sexual relationships without boundaries. It's the first time that's been said. It's significant. I wish the church would have been the one to uncover it and herald it. Hollywood had to confront Hollywood. But we get to step into that gap now and begin to loose a testimony, X-rated testimonies of daughters who have suffered sexually. To release a hope for healing to a generation of other women who are carrying pain that's been buried. We're going to be doing a lot more. Listen. We, we're not going to escape it. We're not going to escape it. It's exciting. It's about protection. The spirit of protection. Got to sort through the notes, you know. Cutting a few things out. <laughs> Let me read this little story. You're going to love protection. I mean, you're going you're gonna to shout on this one. I read this on the Internet. It's like a spirit of protection. This is lady. Captures what's going on. She was, I was on my usual running path when I heard an older man yelling loudly enough for me to hear through my headphones, sexy lady, hey, 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 sexy lady. He kept screaming it, and I decided to just ignore him and keep running. Good idea. This ignoring seemed to make him angrier, and he lashed out at me and said, F you, dumb B. We're in church today, so <laughs> B. Now, let's keep in mind, he was well-dressed and appeared to be on his lunch break from an office job. That was my trigger point, the B word. I ripped off my headphones, pre prepared to stand up for myself. When this little boy who was walking alongside his mother and little sister in a stroller looked at the guy and said, hey, that is not nice to say to her. And she didn't like you yelling at her. You shouldn't do that because she's a nice girl. And I don't let anyone say mean things to people. She's a girl like my sister, and I will protect her. The man was immediately embarrassed and started gathering his lunch to leave. I asked the mother if I could hug the little boy. His name is James. And I told him how grateful I was for him. He just shrugged and said, well, I just wanted to make sure your heart was okay. <laughs> Guys, did you hear the chorus of ladies' voices? <laughs> On cue? We didn't even practice this. <laughs> I mean, it's in the spirit of a woman to have a man that's willing to lay his life down for her. And we have to give permission to a young generation of, of young ladies that have been entrusted to our care to be Mordecai dads to them when they've been maybe abandoned by their own fathers or unloved. 
And we're going to create atmospheres that will heal them and launch them into their destiny and heal them from the demonic assault against them. According to his mother, this is a typical day in the life of James. Come on, James. Uh, my name is James, by the way. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Now listen to the prophetic. Listen. Thank you so much for the mothers and fathers. Can I add youth pastors? Can I add counselors? Can I add teachers, moms and dads who are raising the next generation to be brave and courageous and be little earth angels for us all? I am so touched. Well, that's kind of toxic masculinity. He, there was toxic masculinity there. He would, like, let me just say this. Aggression, violence, and ambition, unchecked by conscience, is toxic masculinity. But let me say this. Aggression, violence, and ambition can be harnessed, and when harnessed, it's tools for good. The same masculine trait that brings destruction can defeat tyranny. Traits that foster greed can build economies. Things that make men take foolish risks lead them to take heroic risks. Men, when men embrace their masculinity in ways that are productive, they are warriors, leaders, and heroes. When they're denied their masculinity, they run away from their responsibilities because they're unwanted. It's time we start affirming appropriate male characteristics. Trusting God is going to harness them for his glory. Men, we need a revelation. We're fighting, the, we're fighting purity, aren't we, men? The statistics are not good. I'm not going to point fingers at anybody, but we're, we're, we're losing the battle. We're trying to... We have left out the most important factor in the battle for purity in men, that there is a protective instinct in us that will suffer and sacrifice Men go to war and die for honor. They work three jobs for their family. They play hurt on sports teams. They sacrifice. There's something in a man that wants to sacrifice. The shows, you see the, the advertisements, business. The guy's in his office late at night. He's sacrificing for the company. He's, you know, just hours. It appeals to an instinct in us that we want to do heroic things. We want to lay our life down. It's in every one of us. And when we connect that protective instinct that is in men to the damage and the demonic assault against women in the sexual arena, we are going to be elevated to a place where we can overcome temptation and walk in a victory because we're, we'll be defeating evil by love. See, right now, we're, I'm gonna, I hate porn. I'm going I'm to fight porn. I'm gonna, I hate porn. I'm going to fight porn. You know, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it with a, with a frustration of my failure. I've been failing, but, but I hate it. I, I hate it because I'm failing. And I'm failing because I hate it. We're not going to win that battle. Moses tried to kill the Egyptian to deliver Israel out of Egypt. 
Flesh against the flesh. We will never, we will never win that battle. But God's going to release a revelation of a daughter's heart to us. And he's going to tap into the protective instinct of who we are. And we're going to rise above the fray and begin to love women in general. And we're going to love women individually in our lives. And we will walk in a purity. It won't be every man's battle anymore. It'll be every man's victory. By Jesus Christ. Romans said it. How we don't overcome evil. Quote it for me. Come on. I don't want to look it up. I only got two minutes left. Here it is. I found it. I found it. I found it. Do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, God didn't want it to, he didn't want to have us to fuel our life, flesh against the flesh. We're going to fight the porn. I'm going to fight the evil. I'm just going to fight evil my whole life. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to love women. Get a revelation of what they're facing, how they've been targeted by darkness. If we'll do that, we will, we will overcome evil with love. It's the same with our children protecting our children. We can't lock them in a closet. How do we protect our children from the sexual spirit? Nehemiah built the wall with a sword in one hand. He had to fight, but a trial in the other. He had to build the family. Build the family. It was a two-fold purpose. We have to love our children. The greatest way to protect our children from the sexual spirit is to love our children and spend time with them. If you will build a bridge from your heart to their heart, in relationship, I know who's going to walk across that bridge. Jesus is going to walk across that bridge. And his values and his purity and his revelation of the beauty of sexuality is going to walk across that bridge. It won't walk across the bridge if there's not a relationship. So can I, I know this is a spiritual warfare church. People are standing up here. I was watching it. Warfare, man. I mean, it's like, we're, we got warfare. I've been to Russia 40 times. I mean, yeah. Probostenia, la Lucia. Pashalista, Isusa. The louder, the better. Warfare. Can I introduce you to some new tools of warfare? Building bridges to your children's lives. These are high level. These are high level tools of spiritual warfare. These are, these are unbelievable because you're going to build bridges with these. These are, this is called a tennis racket. You go to a place and you play tennis with your child. You have to understand kids only have a certain capacity for spiritual things. I never asked my kids to give me something they couldn't give out of their heart. I just kept building the bridge to their heart, building the bridge to their heart. This is called a microscopic badminton racket. A little princess might want to use this with her daddy. Look, it's got, it's a co-ed racket because it's got pink and yellow and orange strings. And little princesses like to play with their dad. If they could never hit it in a million years, daddy has to be really happy that she's trying. See, look, I'm a princess and my daddy's spending time with me. Do you know when you do that, you are... You're destroying the landing strip of darkness that would later come in. When, when a, you'll defeat the most demonic, dangerous equation in the earth is an empty-hearted daughter plus the power of her sexuality equals all the heartache in the, in the earth. 
because she's going to give herself to men who pay attention to her because her dad didn't. Because she's made to have someone pay attention to her. It's the, if protection is one of the strongest things in men, then being des designed to be loved is the strongest thing in a woman. I know that because the church is a woman and we were designed to be loved by God. Amen. Spiritual warfare. Oh, look at this one. The landing strips are being destroyed. Because, Dad, you're going to talk to, this is your friend, and he's going to talk to your little girl with you, and you talk, and you sit on the bed and talk. And, and, and the whole time she's thinking, my daddy's spending time with me. My daddy's spending time with me. You're destroying the landing strips of darkness. It's high-level spiritual warfare. Some of you say, well, I got kids. They grew up. I didn't do this. Don't shame me. I go, listen, I'm giving you hope. Because I, I know 25-year-old girls that like to get a phone call from their dad. And they call up and say, honey, can I just start by saying, I've just realized something this weekend, how precious you are. And I know I didn't tell you enough. And I've been asking God all morning, all weekend, say, forgive me. Will you forgive me? You can start again with one phone call. One phone call, one spirit of humility. Guys, they're waiting for us. Basketball, lacrosse, frisbee. Football. Man, I mean, it's high-level warfare. Come on. To destroy the landing strips. Come on. I was studying Russian because God opened Russia to me. Studying Russian. Down, I'm down in my basement Saturday morning. I'm going to preach in Russian. Russia's open to me. I got my memory cards, vocab cards. I'm, I'm going to preach in Russian someday. Saturday morning, the Lord says, what are you doing? I go, I'm going to preach in Russian. You open Russian to me. I'm excited. Kingdom of God. He goes, put those stupid cards down and go up and play catch with your son. Your little five-year-old boy is upstairs waiting for you. You want to study Russian, you get up at 5 in the morning and take it out of your hide. Don't you dare take it out of that. And I did. And James is a drummer. He's, he's a lead drummer for Elevation Worship. He's pounding the drums. Every time we sing an Elevation song, I think, Luke's playing that. Because I played catch with him, maybe. I valued him. I built a bridge. From, his, from my heart, I built a bridge with baseball so the burden of the Lord could walk across it later. So we're going to stand, we're going to end. That's, I, just threw, I threw a lot at you, didn't I? Look at all this good stuff. High-level warfare, man. I mean, I love this. I love this, high-level warfare. Every little princess is waiting for her dad. Every little princess is waiting for her father to princess her. They can't hear enough. They can't hear enough. And it may be corny. It may be stupid. But we're going to restore. Because you know what? The Lord talks to us every day. His mercies are new every morning. He showers us with how he feels about us. He delights in us. We're his prized one. I mean, come on. We got real potential brides and future brides and actual brides living right among us. We need to be some blessing on them. The Lord blessed us as his bride. Let's start blessing the real brides. There might be some princess brides here today that have a broken heart.
Maybe something happened to you when you were little. Somebody touched you in the wrong way and you've been carrying it for 20 years or five years. And that whispering spirit of darkness says, you're, you're dirty, something's wrong with you. God hates you. It was your fault. You wanted it to happen. Those are lies from darkness. And I believe God wants to break the prison, the prison doors open today. It's a loving place. There's a healing spirit that's going to come. So I just want to invite you. We're talking about dads, princessing daughters, and you're thinking, my dad didn't. I've got some pain. I want you to come this morning and just stand and let the Lord begin to, to, to heal. Come on.